Welcome to Vineyard 61's weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired, challenged, and encouraged by this week's speaker. For previous messages, go to our website, vineyard61.org, or subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud. reminiscing and just saying that four years ago when we first started I don't know whether you um, anybody remembers but we faced that way and there was about 20 of us and the hall was very green Uh, that was pre-painting and um, I remember doing one of our first offerings and big Steve you might know put his winnings from the bookies in in our first offering I'm like come on love that And I love the fact that we've just seen marriages restored and we've seen people healed and we've seen jobs, um, people getting jobs through our job club. And we really want to be a community that's that's outward focused. And we look four years on and we go, we've, you know, we're we're starting to get there. People are starting to know where to come when they're depressed or when their marriages are in trouble or when they need a job. It's like, oh, who are we going to (laughs) call? Fitness 61. Anyway, um... One of, the, one of the very first things we did on our first service was we read Isaiah 61. And the 61 in our name, Vineyard 61, is from Isaiah 61. And it's been a passage that we believe is our mandate for the church. And we, we often come back to it, but God just seems to be like prodding us and kind of pushing us and kind of bringing different phrases from that whole passage to us. And the phrase that's resonating with us so much, God keeps putting this on our heart is the phrase where it talks about he brings beauty from ashes and uh, Steve talked last week he had this uh, incredible sort of journey where he was letting go of some of the ashes and finding freedom as he let go of the ashes and uh, if and, and, and there was just this brilliant phrase he talked about he says we can't keep hold of the ashes and get the beauty And we have to let go of the ashes in order to get the beauty. It's going to be up on the podcast this week. So uh, I'd really recommend you listening to that if you haven't done already. And and this week I wanted to speak to you about a little bit what what God's been speaking to me about the last few weeks, months. Uh, It's along similar lines to that. But also apologies if some of you have heard some of this before. So um, I've been just thinking about the whole word revival. We sometimes talk about the word revival in church, don't we? And what does it actually mean? And I'm, I'm somebody that doesn't like just using words for the sake of it. I like to go, well, why are we doing that? What's that about? What does that mean? And I think my first expectation or my first sort of impression of revival is just lots and lots of meetings. Um, Steve and I, we met in, at the end of 1993... Some of you might not have even been born, but um, obviously I was a child bride. Um, But um, (laughs) it was around the time that the Toronto Blessing started to occur. And I don't know whether any of you have heard of the Toronto Blessing, but it was this phrase that was coined by British newspapers, actually. And it was describing this sort of Christian revival um, and associated phenomena that started in the Toronto Airport Vineyard Church and then spread to the UK and further. And we had so much fun. We were desperate to get to meetings. And there was meetings every night. And we'd gather and we'd just worship and pray. And there wasn't any small groups. There wasn't any programs. We would literally just rock up, worship, pray, 
and we'd end up, I mean, it was weird. We'd end up rolling around on the floor, crying hysterically, laughing hysterically, and um, it was a lot of fun, wasn't it? But I, I, so in my mind, I'm kind of like, so is that what revival is? Is that when we know we've made it? Is that when we know we've got revival? But surely it's not just meetings. Surely it's not just that. Surely it's deeper than that. And um, this word revival, I, I feel a little bit awkward telling you about this because it's a little bit personal to me. But the word revival feels really special to me because it has the word viv in it. <laughs> it's pretty good, hey? I mean, this is, this is God's favor on me, just, just me. Um, and also, can you notice the, word, the words around it, the letters around it, it's like the real viv. I know. It's like God really loves me. <laughs> but anyway, that's just, that's just me and God. Anyway, um, but anyway, I wanted, to, I wanted to look at what revival meant. So I, I turned to the source of all knowledge, the dictionary, uh, to see what the, the definition of revival is. And it says to make something most important again. To make something most important. And I'm like, oh, I can get behind that. I can get behind that to make Jesus the most important in my life, to make the kingdom of God the most important in our community, the most important in our work environment or in our relationships. And I, I began to wonder, like, could we actually miss revival? Could we actually, like, revival come to London and we actually miss it? Like, what would it look like for our hearts, to make sure our hearts are positioned and ready for revival? The other train of thought I've been having simultaneously is that of asking for God's fire. We talk about the fire of revival. And what do we actually mean? And I was reminded of um, that so Steve had this like open vision in 2012 um, when he was at something called New Wine. And he saw these like hubs of fire all over the, uh, southwest London. And it was really instrumental in us starting this church and sort of giving us a sort of blueprint for what we wanted this church to look like. And it was like these people came into these hubs of fire and then they took the fire out with them into their workplaces and into their streets, into their neighborhoods and into their communities. And I, and I felt this challenge from God to say, are we just going to be content with going through the motions? Are we just going to be content with starting more sites and having more meetings and riding the momentum that God is clearly providing us? But I felt like God said, what if they were actually fires? What if they were actually places where people call to light and spread his fire into their community? And then I felt God asking, sort of nudging me to say, do you know what you're actually asking for here? And do you know what fire is actually about? And I started this sort of brief study into fire in the Bible. And the first thing that hit me, like, you know, sometimes when you read the Bible and these verses jump out at you and, like, smack you in the face. Psalm 5, um, hopefully there'll be a, a, a slide on it. And it says, at each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. I'm just going to read that again. At each and every sunrise, you will hear my voice as I prepare my sacrifice of prayer to you. Every morning, I lay out the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for your fire to fall upon my heart. 
And it was at this point that I started to wonder if I actually wanted this fire thing. Like, if you actually think about fire, the words that you can think about are destroying, death, destruction, refining, contagious, consuming, holiness. This isn't just like a nice, cozy concept of let's all just get more on fire for Jesus. This is going to hurt. This is going to involve sacrifice. Was I actually willing to do what it says in Psalm 5? Was I actually willing to lay the pieces of my life on the altar and wait for the fire to fall on my heart? Was I actually willing to die? Simultaneously to this fire and revival stuff that's been going around in my head, it's been quite a busy, busy summer in my head, um, there's been some stuff going on for us as a family where, to be quite honest, I've been disappointed by the lack of perfection. Um, I want a perfect family. I want a perfect marriage. I want perfect children. And surprise, surprise, they're not. don't know whether anybody else can relate or you've all got perfect lives. Fantastic. Um, but I felt God whispering this phrase over and over and over again to me. And it was this phrase, my beauty comes from ashes and not from perfection. He brings beauty from ashes, not from perfection. Good old Isaiah 61 popping up again. And some of my expectations of perfection have to die. What, you know, what does that look like? What does it look like to actually not have it all together and have it all perfect? And this challenge of allowing him to refine me in his fire to the point of death and ashes so that his beauty can be seen. So I need to die. It's not about me. My ego has to go. My control issues have to go. Steve's like gonna love Steve's loving this sermon, isn't he? My self-righteousness has to go. My my pride has to go. Anything resembling entitlement needs to go. We live in such an entitled age, and I, I'm not talking about becoming a doormat here. And if anybody that knows me probably knows that that's not gonna happen. So but I'm talking about laying down our rights and laying down our pride, laying down our sense of entitlement. And I wonder what needs to die in you. Are you willing to ask God the question, what needs to die? We went to South Africa in July and we visited Neisner on the south coast. Any South Africans here? Great. Um, so there was a devastating bushfire there two years ago and the whole of the side of the mountain in Neisner, am I saying that right, Neisner, um, was completely wiped of every single vegetation. Um, but we kept seeing, seeing signs and hearing stuff about something called Fainbos. Am I saying that right? <laughs> is that what you don't even know what it is? Or is it you don't know how it's pronounced? Fainbos. Fainbos, great. Um, and I didn't know if it was one particular flower or bush or anything. So I did a bit of research and found out that it's a bit like, like the umbrella term for all the fine vegetation, all the fine bushes around in the area. There's something like 8,500 different species of fainbos. And what I discovered is that fainbos is reliant on fire for life. So that it's actually really important to the life cycle 
of Fainbos. And I just thought fires brought death and destruction. I didn't realize that this extraordinary fact of nature, that fire actually created life in nature. And this quote that I'm going to read um, about the fame boss, it says, fire is the mechanism that recycles precious nutrients from old growth into the soil. Fire and fame boss is far from a disaster, but rather a crucial trigger that resets the Fainboss successional clock. It provides a stimulus for dormant seeds to germinate and the opportunity for many annuals, short-lived perennials and bulbs to grow, flower and seed during times of abundant nutrients and sunlight. So without fire, Fainboss doesn't grow or spread. And at this nature reserve, two years on uh, from the completely devastation, uh, the complete devastation of the fire, what's happened is that all these different species of fainboss are now appearing, and we just saw it, and the whole mountain was just covered in absolute beauty, and it was literally just this reminder of again of he brings beauty from ashes, and that's what we want, isn't it? We want that. We, it's like God's goodness is lying dormant in our soil. And when the fire comes, it burns away all of our crap that's choking it and releases all the good stuff that God wants to bring to life. But there's a challenge for us. There's a challenge for me and there's a challenge for us as a church. Are we actually willing to die and to be refined? For God's fire to refine us. And I guess we're just asking that question. We're asking you guys. Are you up for praying those dangerous prayers and asking God to refine you so that his beauty can start to be seen? And Because being in the refining fire is not comfortable. But it has a good purpose. It's often in the really difficult times that our lives are refined. Steve talked last week about pain producing fruit in our lives. Pain brings you to God. And we discover who we really are. The theologian C.H. Burgeon said, I owe more to the fire and the hammer and the file than to anything else in my Lord's workshop. And this theme of being refined in the fire is, is scattered throughout the Bible. I wanted to read from Malachi 3. And it says, Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as the refiner and purifier of silver. I don't know whether any of you have seen a silversmith at work, but apparently they hold a piece of, the silversmith sits, in, sits by the fire, they hold a piece of silver over the fire and let it heat up. And they, it needs to be held in the middle of the hottest part of the flame uh, to burn away all the impurities. And the silversmith has to sit there the whole time the silver is being refined because if they take the eye off the silver at any point, if it gets a little bit too hot, then it gets damaged. And if, the, if, it's, if it's just a little bit too long, it's then ruined. But do you know how the silversmith knows that the silver is fully refined? Anyone know how they know that it's fully refined? Annabelle? Oh, you came to my, you came last week. You're cheating. <sighs> Seriously. Okay. <laughs> you were listening. Yes. Yes. Very good. Um, so when the silver is refined, the silversmith can see their image in the silver. Penny dropping. 
So I just want to read that passage again in the light of that. Malachi says, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And I love that he sits. He's always there, even though he might have to put us near the hottest part of the flame. But then he knows when he's done because he can see his own image in us. And I want, I really want to be more like Jesus. Does anyone else want to be more like Jesus? John John the Baptist in John 3, if we can have that up, it says, um, he's talking about Jesus and he said, he must increase, I must decrease. Or as the message version, I love this. He says, this is the assigned moment for him to move into the center while I slip off to the sidelines. And this is what I'm going for. I want Jesus to become so much bigger than my ego, so much bigger than my self-righteousness. I want him to put to death my entitlement and my pride, my control issues, my fear. But that will probably mean going into the refiner's fire. I I feel as though I've, I've been on a journey of understanding my humanity. I was brought up in the Brethren Church and... We were brought up with what I call the worm theology. I don't know whether you have any of you kind of are familiar with it, but it's basically having a very low view of self in the light of God's holiness. I remember my grandma saying, there is nothing good in me. And she had a real understanding of her own darkness. But then I think the last couple of decades, I've been along the lines of, I'm absolutely amazing because Jesus loves me so much. And I... I thought that those two didn't marry up, but actually they go hand in hand, those two views. The more I go on in my faith, the more I realize how much in need of a savior I am. I realize that there's parts of me that are really ugly. There's so much pride in me that still needs to die. But, and this is a huge but, that's exactly why Jesus died. The reason he wants to refine me is to make me more and more like him because he loves me so much. And when I realize just how much I need saving, I, 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 you know, how much I need saving from my own darkness, it's then that I realize just how good he is. He covers all my slip-ups, all my pride, all my entitlement, my fear, and he sees me as 100% totally righteous. And that's through nothing that I've done, absolutely nothing that I've done. I am seen as totally righteous before God. But yet he doesn't leave us in this state. He purifies us. He refines us in the fire until his image can be seen even more clearly. And it's almost as if this cycle of realizing our darkness, accepting Jesus' total forgiveness and his righteousness knowing how completely loved we are and accepted we are, but then we lay it all down again and we die. And we fold our story up into the larger story of what Jesus is doing in the world and we come to realize what Jesus said to every disciple. He said, if if anyone would come after me, let let him take up his cross and follow me. And we come to realize that the cross is the pathway to the kingdom of God. Death is the pathway to life. 
So I'm sorry this message isn't like um, Jesus is like Santa Claus and meets all your needs and leaves all your, brings all your dreams to fruition, makes them all come true. But what I want to stress is that there is hope in this message of the fame boss. He brings beauty from ashes. That's his promise. Resurrection is part of the deal with Jesus. He doesn't refine you or ask parts of you to die just to leave them dead forever. He's the bringer of life. He's the restorer of the broken ruins. And I don't know whether people here are just feeling all of this stuff I've got in my past, it's all just dead. And what was all that about? But I tell you, he wants to bring beauty from ashes. That's what he's about. He doesn't bring beauty from perfection. He brings beauty from ashes. And he's not looking for perfection from us. He's not, he doesn't promise a perfect, perfect life to us this side of heaven. But he does promise to bring beauty from ashes. But in the waiting, there is surrender and death. Choosing to lay down your rights. Choosing to take up the cross and follow him. Choosing to make him the most important thing, like in the true definition of revival. One of the, the prayers that I've been praying every day recently is um, a prayer by Father Thomas, Father Thomas Keating, who is one of the pioneers of contemplative prayer and spiritual formation. It's called the Welcoming Prayer. And I wonder if we can pray this together. I don't know whether you're, if you want to close your eyes, I'm just going to pray it. But just if you feel happy doing this, just sort of almost... Pray it after me in your own mind. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I welcome everything that comes to me today because I know it's for my healing. I welcome all thoughts, feelings, emotions, persons, situations, and conditions. I let go of my desire for power and control. I let go of my desire for affection, esteem, approval, and pleasure. I let go of my desire for survival and security. I let go of my desire to change any situation, condition, person, or myself. I open to the love and presence of God and God's action within. Amen. And we're going to respond to this challenge by taking communion. What better way to think about taking up our cross and following Jesus than remembering his own death and resurrection. Jesus was the first person to do this. He was the one that laid down his life. And it just says in, in 1 Corinthians, the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body broken for you. Do in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And how we do it here at Vineyard 61 is that anybody is welcome to take part in communion if they're a follower of Jesus. And if you'd like to become a follower of Jesus, then now's the time. This life is all about surrender and it is literally just making that decision to ask Jesus to be center stage of your life and asking for his total forgiveness, which he so readily gives.
So it could be that if, if you want to do that before you come up, just grab the person next to you and just say, I just want to follow Jesus. I want to make him center stage in my life. I want to ask for his total forgiveness. And this isn't a promise of a nice rosy life, but it's a promise of him sitting with you. So we've got a couple of stations and how we do it is just rip a piece of the bread, dip it in the juice, and then just use this time to pray the dangerous prayer of asking God to refine you if you're up for it. Pray that dangerous prayer of, do you know what, God, I want to get rid of all my um, impurities. I I want you, Jesus, to be able to see your face in me. So if we can ask the guys doing communion to come up and then the band are just going to play and worship. Use this time to, to really engage with God, to, to really chat to him about what's on your heart and what you've heard tonight. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another life-giving message from one of our Vineyard 61 speakers.